Welcome to Bill Roden on Sports. Taking you inside clubhouses, locker rooms, and boardrooms. Legendary sports columnist Bill Roden gets inside the heads and beneath the veneer of the men and women who play and own the games we love. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. I'm here in sunny Denver, home of the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. And, uh, yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, Jamal, how's it going out east? Be beautiful out here, 75 degrees. I think that's a, I think it's oh, a wow. record high. So I don't know if that's good news or bad news for us in long term. I think it's bad news. <laughs> In the long term, <laughs> like that, I'm sure the dinosaurs, you know, on one of those nice days, would think, "Oh, this is great." And somebody said, "I don't think not in the long term." Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. So, okay, yeah, just, my but, mood has changed. Yeah, no, no, man, I want you to be upbeat, you know. Um, so, like I said, I'm here in Denver, and I was at the the big news here was, of course, the retirement of Peyton Manning, and although it happened. Um, uh, you know, a day or so ago, I was there, and uh, as those things go, it was pretty, uh, pretty emotional. I mean, you know, Peyton Manning is very smooth. He's a businessman. He does a pitch man. But I thought that the Broncos did a good job. And you know, the interesting thing, Jamal, is that you know, Manning obviously he spent, I think, what, fourteen years with the um, with the uh, right. Colts, and he could have blown off the Broncos because he was only there for three or four seasons. He could have blown off the Broncos, but he decided to, to give them a do because he did go to two Super Bowls with them and won one. So they did a really nice job and they really appreciate it. And I'm sure he's going to go back to Indianapolis and, um, uh, you know, do a, do a, uh, a farewell there. But during the conference, uh, everybody spoke, John Elway made a couple of comments that I'd like you to hear, and I'd like to get your reaction to, uh, not so much the first one, but the second one. In the first one, Elway, who you know, of course, won two Super Bowls himself and is Mr. Bronco, right. he basically just gave a general uh, nod to Peyton Manning's career, and this is what he said. There's not a guy in the NFL that can walk away and say, I have done everything. That is possibly that can possibly be done at the quarterback position in the NFL. Now, what do you think about that? Uh, just about the idea that he's, you know, he's accomplished things that maybe nobody, no other quarterback has accomplished more. What do you think about that? Well, I agree in terms of regular season, so I'll I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. I mean, you know, I think he's the greatest regular season quarterback ever if you go by stats, but. You know, in the in the postseason, he left some things on the table. Um, that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's true. I mean, if you ask me, and I wrote it in my column for the Times that, yeah, I mean, this is all nice, but you know, you can't get caught up in the caught up in the moment. I still would have <clears throat> Brady in any clutch moment when I needed to go down the field and and win. Yeah, there's no question. Particularly in a championship situation. I'd have Tom Brady, and it's, I wouldn't even. I, it wouldn't. I wouldn't even think yeah, about there's it. No, there's no question. But you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give it up to him in terms of numbers wise. He put up some numbers that we've never seen. Even though it is a, it's a new, kinder, gentler uh, NFL where defensive backs can't touch the wide receivers. So 
you know, and it's the same thing in the NBA and every other sport. So uh, the the new guys mm-hmm. are getting the benefit as far as that goes. But you have to you have to give him credit for the numbers he put up. But you know, I'm thinking this too, Jamal. Since we're throwing, <laughs> we're supposed to be praising <laughs> Matt. Now we're throwing dirt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but you know, I was thinking too, uh, t- too that listen for third fourteen years. He played half of his game every year in a dome, in perfect, in perfect situation. It's right. perfect. No wind, no nothing. Right. It's perfect on a fast right. track, where you know Brady was up in New England, and and uh, Aaron Rodgers is in, you know, Green Bay, and Russell Wilson's in, in in Seattle. So you know, playing in in a perfect condition. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at in terms of your numbers. That's true. It contributed, but you know, in his prime, he you know he proved himself during away games in the regular season. <laughs> but uh, you know, he did he did tend to struggle, and you know, as as it got colder in the season, and he had to and he had to play on the road in the playoffs, he did tend to struggle. Yeah, uh, the the other thing that Elway said that I thought was interesting, and this does not have to do with wins or losses, but just how he revolutionized the position from your traditional drop-back quarterbacking position and reading defenses. Let's listen to what he said about, about that. It was a treat for an ex-quarterback to be able to watch Peyton Manning prepare and work and play the game. So many times when you watch, and I call, I'll call it the old days, was we, we'd get the snap, we'd try to figure out coverage on the way back, make our reads there, and then go from there. Peyton Manning revolutionized the game. We always used to think that, that a no huddle was a, was a fast pace, get to the line of scrimmage, and get people off balance. Fate revolutionized it. You know what? We're going to get the line of scrimmage, take our time. I'm going to find out what you're doing, and then I'm going to pick you apart. And I can't tell you how many times I thought, and I looked at it, and I said, dang, why don't we think of that? Now, I, I happen to think, I thought that was a very interesting point about how guys would look at Manning, and, you know, they, they, they knew that they would go back, and as they were as they were dropping back, they would be reading the defense as well. Manning had already done that. So I thought that was a pretty interesting insight into how he changed, you know, the hurry-up offense and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think he definitely revolutionized that part of the game. Uh, he was No question, he's one of, the sm- you know, one of the smartest, most intuitive quarterbacks to play the game, quick reads, uh, he play. He would play games with the defense, you know, with the audibles and the Omaha's and all that kind of stuff. So that's yeah. that's probably what we'll remember uh, most about him with the numbers is that you know he, you know, he's considered to be one of the smartest quarterbacks ever to play. Yeah, yeah. He lets you know right. it too, uh, you know. So yeah. So I think all in all, it was a great career. And um, although I wonder what what Denver is going to do a quarterback now because. Um, they just lost his backup. Right, right. right. Brock uh, Osweiler went, uh, signed with the Texans, right? Yeah, he was signed with the Texans. So I'm wondering, maybe maybe we have not seen the last of Matt. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know maybe, deep down he, he didn't want to do it. Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. And he even said as much, I'm going to miss it. And, and it was a very interesting press conference because even the head coach got there and said, listen, this, he had, he, you know, he had to sit, he had to sit, Manning down and say, listen, you know, we're playing well without you, and I know you want to get back there, but we're playing really well without you, right. you know. So um, it was it was a tough year, and 
And uh, Manny, this clearly his last year was not his best. I mean, there are times when he just looked pathetic at, at, at times. But I, I think that uh, the, the arc of his career, the the uh, the uh, what he's accomplished is record-setting right. and is really good. And um, uh, the only thing that came up during the conference is one of the reporters brought up the sexual assault allegation right. from like 20 years ago. Right, which they should. Uh, and uh, yeah, which he should. It was it was good because you know it was a, it was a woman uh, from USA Today reporter, and she got a lot of heat from it. But it was a good question because you know that's what we do. We gloss over stuff right. and I don't know how you feel but in this particular generation I think that we really I think there's we've seen the death of the American hero in terms of the old school sort of um, the old school standards because of social media we just know too much about everybody right I and mean, there, there's no I, I'm a saint and you know too much right, about that, me <laughs> and there there are no heroes anymore as you've said you know plenty of times and I kind of resent that about uh, you know the whole the whole Peyton Manning story. I kind of felt uh, bamboozled by by him, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know I mean obviously he, you know he's not perfect, and Brady's not perfect with the whole Deflate Gate right. and all that kind of stuff. Even though you can't right. really compare the uh, Deflate Gate to a sexual harassment charge, so I'm not really trying to do that. But I mean you know he to me that does diminish him in some ways when when that complete story comes out and you hear. Uh, that there was a cover-up involving him, his father and him and, and all this other stuff. So I think it, it is a part of his story. And it, do, it did change my perception of him. And, and I, did, I felt, you know, I was bothered myself by letting myself fall for, you know, the, the, the good guy, funny guy story and not realizing that, you know, no, there are no heroes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I mean, I would heard little things, drips and drabs, but I guess – and we've talked about this on the show before, just the double standards that exist between white athletes and black athletes and, and how people are so willing to give, you know, Peyton Manning the pass, even Brady and River. I mean, and the reality is that we I, we don't know these right. people. I'm in the locker room with them for 20 minutes, right. you know, and but I think what we do in the media, and particularly I, I think when you're dealing with white athletes a lot and you've got an overwhelmingly white, sports media they tend to um to project right. favorable images onto the people they cover right. you know like to quarterback you know when you hear them gush about manning or gush about rogers or gush about um uh brady or, or rivers they're really talking about themselves right. If you listen to the language of it, oh, he's so wonderful and smart and great under pressure, and you know, as am I, right. you know, so courageous. So, I, I'm just sort of second your point in that there was this whole pure than now image, holier than now pure image. Then you get this first, you get this, you know, you get the steroids, right. which we still have not heard the right. end of. So I, I, you know, I mean, he's retired, but what we don't know is. What's, what what is yet to come out? Right, right. And I'm not sure if any of that played a role in his retirement. Maybe he just wanted to get out while the getting was good. But I, I think that is something to be said moving forward. And just not making heroes out of people because he's a great quarterback and let it right, go at that. Great quarterback uh, did great things on the field, and you know a lot. A, During the a lot of it, you know, he was so charismatic that you know he's able to portray a certain, uh, you know, a certain persona. 
that that you know like i said not even just white people bought it i bought it you know <laughs> so he was he was good he was a good he's a good salesman and i'm sure whatever he does next he'll he'll use those attributes well he's a pitch man no question about it now he's he's selling and then you know during the super bowl remember his awards yes and I, i'm gonna go get a budweiser so i said oh man he's he, now he got a budweiser commercial and then he said uh, during this the other day yes and uh adam schechter and more, you know, so he's okay. He's going to be in the broadcast right, booth, right, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, and who knows? He may be, he may be do a John Elway and run a team. But listen, it was, it was a, uh, it was a great career. You can't really take, take that away no. from him. And uh, but I, I am wondering about what they're going to do a quarterback. Maybe, maybe RG three will end up there. Yeah, well, I mean, I have no, you know, you don't even know what he has left anymore. I'm, a, I'm assuming. He's you know, I'm I'm kind of buying into the media narrative when I just said that because I'm sure he's still talented mm-hmm. and it's just the fact he's only right, 25, he's only 25. 26. <laughs> I mean, how much how much can he allow? <laughs> right. You know, it's just we haven't seen him. I haven't seen him play in so long. You almost forget, you know, how good he was. But I'm sure somebody's going to give him a chance. We know that. I've heard rumors that Dallas might give him a shot. Um, you know, Denver. Who knows? I I was under the impression that one of the reasons that they were in favor of of Manning retiring was because they had Osweiler and waiting and they were high on him. So this is, this is pretty shocking to me. You know, you know, again, I was at the, the Manning press conference and, you know, we talk about the off field stuff and being bamboozled, but there was an authentic moment at the very end when, and you'll hear it in his voice where he really did get emotional just when he tried to put his career in perspective. I want you to listen to it and, Let's just listen to it. I'm totally convinced that the end of my football career is just the beginning of something I haven't even discovered yet. Life is not shrinking for me. It's morphing into a whole new world of possibilities. Pundits will speculate that my effort and drive over the past 18 years were about mastery and about working to master every aspect of the NFL game. Well, don't believe me. Because every moment, every drop of sweat, every bleary-eyed night of preparation, every note I took, and every frame of film I watched was about one thing, reverence for this game. When I look back at my NFL career, I'll know without a doubt that I gave everything I had to help my teams walk away with a win. There were other players who were more talented, but there was no one who could out-prepare me. And because of that, I have no regrets. There's a scripture reading, 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Well, I fought a good fight. I have finished my football race. And after 18 years, it's time. God bless all of you, and God bless football. So, yeah, so I thought that was very interesting. He ended, he ended by saying, God bless football, and his voice was breaking. Right. So I think that, when all is said and done, uh, and I, I talked to Tony Dungy about him uh, the other day, and he said, listen, there are no saints out here. Uh, and I don't know what happened to him 20 years ago, but Dungy was saying that he did see him touch lives. He did see him stop and talk to young people and talk to some people who were struggling in their personal lives. So uh, he, he said that he took the whole community thing seriously. So you know, I, I respect Tony, and I take Tony at his word. So, uh, you know, it's a pretty awesome 
pretty awesome legacy. Yeah. No, I mean, and really the point in terms of bringing, you know, bringing up anything negative with with Manning is more so about just the way he's portrayed and and, and just understanding that nobody's perfect, nobody's flawless. Of course, there are good, great things he's done on the field and off, but you know we, you know, he's made mistakes also. So we just don't want to, you know, make him a saint. Yeah, right. There are no saints. Just me. <laughs> Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on sports. You know, it's so funny, man. The football season never right. ends. Uh, we're in the middle of an NBA season, which, by the way, I mean, well, I guess the, the Knicks season ended. Uh, the Knicks were in town. Right, in and Denver. And I, I saw them. And I, 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 I must admit, and I can admit this on Bill Roden on Sports, this is my show, that I saw them, and that's the first. I've not seen the Knicks all year. Oh, you, I've not seen them all year. a great night. And so I decided to go and see them, and now I know why. <laughs> I mean, it's just... That must be one of the most uninspiring teams in the National Basketball Association. And Phil Jackson was in the house, right? He was there. Yeah, he was there. He kind of slithered away. You know, he didn't want to talk to reporters. Uh, I've got a column today. He said, well, you know, what, what's he going to say? I mean, you know, he saw the same thing I saw. Right. And I, I just don't see any way out of it. I know you guys are Knicks fans. I, I don't see any way out. I mean, well, the- I, I, see, I, I just don't see the way that the Knicks – I think they may go another 40 years. Well, I mean, we don't know, you know, in terms of a championship, who knows? But they are improved this year. I know, you know, the Well, I mean, how would they have to do to improve, Jamal? That they won, like, one game last year. So. <laughs> well, that's true. And, you know. See, that's a typical. Hey, you, you know, you are a typical no, Knicks I'm not, fan. I'm not even, I'm Man, not even we really have, a Knicks fan. We got better. I'm not a Knicks fan either. Oh, you're a I'm Nets a, fan. You know. I'm, oh, I, you know, I root for the Knicks because I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I'm, I'm going to root for them, but I'm not, you know, I'm not lost in the sauce or anything like that. I, I understand <laughs> that, you know, it's a struggle. I'm just saying, you know, they, they, unlike last year, now they have a, they have a young kid who's, who's, you know, who has potential to be one of the top players in the league. Who's hurt, by the way? No, You're talking about Christoph yeah, Przingis. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, at the time, I liked the Grant. The the uh, Jerry and Grant uh, draft pick, but he's been slow to develop, so I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know what really bothers me is is the is what you know Phil Jackson's last move in terms of firing uh, Fisher, which you know deep down I had no problem with because I, I wasn't sure if Fisher could coach or not. But then to to hand over the keys to Rambus, who has had chances and failed before big time, and now it seems like that's who he wants to be the coach of the future from what I'm hearing and, you know, from different sources. So, you know, that's what bothers me is that Phil Jackson seems hell bent on having someone who, who runs the triangle. Um, and there are not that many of those guys. And, you know, uh, I was at an event yesterday when, and Charles Barkley was there and Charles Barkley was, someone asked him about the triangle and he said, you know, without, without Scottie Pippen and Shaq, the triangle might as well be the, the circle. <laughs> you know, without Jordan and all them, you know, it's all about the players. So, you know, I don't want to hear about the triangle anymore. Just, I, I like what he's done personnel-wise, and, and most of that is from Porzingis. So I say that's where, that's where I'm at when I say things are a little are improved. But I hear you in terms of the, the overall picture. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 
taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. You mentioned Charles Barkley. Um, that segues, uh, you know, we, we are in March Madness and the, their conference tournaments that, that begin this right. week. And it's really my favorite, uh, one of my favorite times of the year, young, un, 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 unpaid student athletes providing <laughs> entertainment for multi-billion dollar networks and corporate. Right. But, hey, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet. You know? But it is fun. <laughs> I mean, it is it is enjoyable, and some of them may even get degrees. But, uh, but, but uh, you, you were talking to Barkley about this, right? I mean, I think uh, – you were at the at a media day, right. and uh, I think you spoke to Barkley. Yeah, we had a media media day, uh, and it was everybody who's covering the NCAA tournament was there for you know for CBS, TBS, TNT. Uh, as you know, Barkley and Kenny Smith and Grant Hill and Reggie Miller, they had come over from the NBA side to to help broadcast the uh, tournament for the last couple of years. So Barkley was there, and of course Barkley stole, stole the show, and he was talking about everything. Um, but one of the things, you know, they talked about was, you know, obviously one of the one of the big stories in college basketball season is Ben Simmons, and uh, the fact that Ben Simmons is probably not going to be a part of the NCAA tournament this year because his team LSU uh, has struggled. Uh, they never could, you know, they had a couple big wins, but they could never get their act together. And they, they actually need to win the SEC tournament, uh, in order to get a bid. So I asked, uh, I asked Charles about Ben Simmons and specifically about his reaction to, uh, um, the wooden award, uh, t- you know, not including him on the list of players that could win the award. And this is what he had to say. Don't tell me a guy should be player of the year if he didn't fucking make the tournament. Stop it. I'm not arguing. I'm just okay, good. Yeah. I can't argue that. Come on, man. You're not going to make the tournament. Don't tell me you should be player of the year. But what about the academic piece and them saying he's not eligible because supposedly oh. something's going on in class, but he's well, playing. I don't want any young black kid not getting his education. But no matter how much money he's going to make in the pros, we in the black community got to stress education more. Listen. We're talking about one guy. I never go overboard on one guy. We need to stress education more for young black kids. Of course. If you got to be a LeBron James or something, I understand that. But there's only one LeBron James. There's only one Ben Simmons. Right. I always worry about the other 99%. Yeah, that's legitimate. I mean, Charles left after three years. Right. Uh, and I think he went back. and I think he went back and earned his degree. And he's done. I mean, but face it. Charles has had a wonderful post-playing career. He's just been very blessed and very fortunate, right. uh, and uh, you know he's he's had a wonderful career. So I guess he can talk. What what do you think of well, again when we talk about how we're going to think of uh, Ben or what we will be saying about Ben Simmons this time next year? What what do you think about him? What do you what do you think we'll be saying about? Ben Simmons next year. I think we'll be we'll be talking about him in the same way that we're talking about uh, Porzingis, uh, you know Towns. He's going to be a you know very talented player. He's going to he's going to impress a lot of people next year. But he'll probably probably be losing, no no matter where he is. So it'll be tough to completely evaluate him. Uh, Bark you know Barkley had made another point, uh, you know during during the interview saying that. I mean, it was somewhat tongue in cheek, I think, but he was saying, you know, if you don't if you don't carry your team to the end, if you can't even get your team to the NCAA tournament, you shouldn't even come. You shouldn't even come out of school. You shouldn't even be allowed to enter the yeah. draft. 
you know, and he's talking about in terms of being good enough to play. And, you know, obviously that's on, that's only a very, very, very small part of it. I mean, most of it, he's going to be the exactly. number one pick and that's a lot of money to be had. So there's no, I mean, there's no even discussion about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Barkley's looking at for the old school, right. you know, yeah. You, but the new school, which is probably always been old school, which is money. Oh yeah. That you can't turn that money down. I mean, it's too much money. And, and and you're, you're talking about generational wealth. Right. So, you know, I really have no um, objection to it. It will be interesting during collective bargaining, though, uh, to see who, to see what the NBA Players Association says about upping the age uh, to, to that you've got to at least stay in college for two years. Or at least, I don't know if it'll be stay in college, but stay away from the NBA right. for two years. And will this, again, cause this exodus of young kids into or overseas? Or will it cause a flood of overseas players into the NBA? Right. And I, you know, I think for the, as far as the league is concerned, it's a, it's a good idea because the league is watered down with younger players who, who have not matured yet. And, 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 you know, some of them were drafted, most of, most of them were drafted strictly off potential uh, a lot of them fail, so it really would help the NBA out, help the GMs out if if they could see these kids for another year or and let these kids mature for another year before they came in the game. And of course, the opposite side for the kids is their right to make a living and make the money as as people in other sports are allowed to do, except for football. Now, football has their rule, right? You can't even come out uh, until until after your junior year. Yeah, exactly. Um, football, and again, it's. I, I mean, they they claim it's for right. the health, and it could right. be, but it's for the NFL's right. health, and it's for the yeah, players' I was thinking, health. Yeah, thinking like the NFL. Yeah. I mean, the NFL just runs; they get away with everything. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's true. I mean, uh, I did a story on Andy Livingston a number of years ago, who was a I, you know, when I was a kid, Andy Livingston. When I was a kid, before I stopped being a, a fan, I was a fan <laughs> of the Bears, and Andy Livingston. Left high school, he would he tried out for the Bears as a high school after after high school and right. made it, you know, and yeah, I've had a pretty good life, pretty good career, but it's just so jive. It's it's that's that's yeah, it's just so jive. What what do you think? You know, again, I love March Madness, um, and what what do you think, Jamal? You're sort of our March Madness guru. Uh-huh. Uh, where where are you gonna you're, you're gonna be out? You're gonna stay out east. And uh, who, who do you like? Who do you like in the tournament? Yeah, so I'll be out. I'll be out east, uh, at least for the first two rounds in Brooklyn, and then the regional in uh, in Philadelphia, and then I join you in out in Houston for the final four. But who I like? I mean, there's there are teams. There are about six, seven teams vying for the one seed. You got Kansas. You got Oklahoma, Virginia, Villanova, uh, Michigan State. I actually like Oklahoma. I I just think mm. you know they have so much offensive pow- uh you know prowess. Uh I think that if they get on a roll they're going to be tough they're going to be tough to corral. I think they played in the Big 12 which was the best conference this season. So it kind of warmed down towards the end or you know it's tough, you know everybody everybody in their conference knows each other so you know they took a couple losses late in league play so I think they their star has diminished to some people but I think once they get in in this tournament um they're going to be very, very, very dangerous. So I like them in the Final Four. I'm a little worried about Villanova. 
for the same – to me, it's almost like the same season they had last year, dominate, but they're still not physically imposing. They still don't have a big front line. They're still very dependent on you know, hitting shots, which can come and go. So I'm a little worried about Villanova, uh, you know, moving forward. Uh, Kansas has been very solid. You know, North Carolina is the team I feel like is most talented off- offensively. Right. So I do – I like Carolina in the Final Four. A team, a dark horse that I that I like, and partly because I lo- I like I love the coach so much, is uh, Texas, and Sh- and Shaka oh, yeah. Smart, who Texas yeah. probably is looking at like a four or five seed, and I think they're they might be even better than that in terms you know they started the season off slow they had to adjust to Shaka Smart's uh, to his system, and once they got it going they were one of the top teams in the country, uh, you know they play again they played in the Big Twelve played the best competition there is and, and they held their own more than held their own and when they get out into this tournament and people are not used to seeing that style of play again and now he has real big time athletes you know at VC he took he took VCU to the final four you know with right. th- you know two star recruits three star recruits now he has four and five star recruits okay yep. so I would watch out for them as a dark horse yeah I like to, I hope he's in my region yeah. he's a quote right. machine right yeah. And t- what about Tubby Smith? Tubby Smith, he's gonna—they're gonna make uh, it, which which is a feat in in itself. Coming from Texas Tech, no, I think they were probably picked to be, you know, last or second to last in the conference coming into the season, and he has them in the tournament, probably as an eight eight nine seed or something like that. So I don't really see how you know they don't have—they're a grinded out, defensive minded team, not much offensive power, or. So I don't really see them advancing too far. I would say the Sweet 16 would be their ceiling, um, but I, I don't even see him getting that far. But I think it's just it's it was a tremendous feat in itself that he that he he took him to the tournament. Hey Jamal, tell us uh, something. You spent uh, what about two seasons ago? You went to Indianapolis uh, for the mock for a mock uh, selection, right. right? What was that? What was that like? I mean, did it? What did you learn about the selection process that maybe surprised you? I, I, what I learned was that they they that they take luck. it so seriously, and that they have mm. they have access to all the numbers. You know, they look mm. deep into into every team, and that it's a that it's it's really a group decision, right? Because the way they do it. You know, it's kind of like inside baseball. You can't go into it too much because it's just it'll just bog you down. But you know that no team get no team is seated, no team is is put into the tournament without going through at least two, three, four rounds of heavy discussions and being compared mm. to every other team numbers wise and discussion wise, and they you know everything is looked at and they have access to the injuries and who you know who's coming back and you know so it's. They have and mm. they have endless information, and they and it's and it's meticulous, and it's taken so seriously. And for instance, if you're if you're a Big Twelve athletic director, you can't even, you know, you can't even be in the discussion when when that when your team is being talked about. You know, you're out of the room, mm. not even just in the discussion. You, they take you out of the room. So it's so it's wow. very, you know, it's a very impressive impressive process. And I always found. Because I've always, you know, I've always been fascinated by it since I was a little kid. So I always watch this stuff really closely in terms of who makes it, who doesn't. And you know, ninety nine percent of the time they get it right. 
And, and even when they don't get it right, it's because they missed one team, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, it's yeah, always right. one or two teams that, you know, that, that have a real beef. This, this year, actually, you know, there's so, there's so much parity this year that there, I feel like there are five or six teams that, that might have a real beef. But it's going to be like no matter who the, the five or six teams they choose, it'll be like that. So, we'll, you know, we'll see. It's gonna, it'll be interesting. Selection Sunday is Monday. So how do they do something like when they know first four outs, first four in, something like that? How, how, does, that, how does that work? Well, you mean in terms of the people predicting it, like Len- yeah. like Joe Lenardi? I mean, right, I mean yeah. he's when you. But I mean, does that does that go into part of like like, yeah? Does that go? Into what does that mean like, even? Of that group discussion, like these are like we know this team is going to be one of the first teams out or one of the you know. Yeah, I mean, because because what they do is they rank teams like so so there are sixty eight teams in the tournament. They're ranking them one through sixty eight. Or at least the at least the at larges. There are thirty six at large teams that that are picked by the that don't get in automatically. Those teams are ranked like one, two, three, four, down to thirty six, down to forty five, even. So so who is ever thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine, right, forty? So that's what they're, that, okay. Those are your last four out. Got it. Right, the last four out. You mean last, last four who won't make six. it? And then you know now in the last few years the le- the le- the last four that uh, that the last four in. Are actually play in you know play each other in in Dayton, right? The playing they've turned that into a playing yeah. you know, opening you, round. You, you, right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, they, yeah. Make, they make money oh, off of that. A lot of money involved. You know, and lots of money. So you think you think St. Mary's? Of course, I've been in Las Vegas at the West Coast Conference, and in fact, the big uh, the big t- the uh, big Pac-12 conference is in Las Vegas, right. along with the Mountain West. So a team like St. Mary's that did really well, right. they lost to Gonzaga. Um, do you think Gonzaga, yeah, well, like Gonzaga, Gonzaga will get in? Yeah, they yeah they get the automatic bid. Oh, well, they so have to. In. They have to. Now a team like now St. Mary's, yeah. they can't. I don't know. They can't you know, screw I mean, them. I mean, it's, it's all about looking at their resume and, and their numbers. The numbers, the RPI numbers, play a role. There are other numbers that they have access to that you know they look at. So where they're ranked. You know, in terms of the analytics that you love, I know you love the analytics. <laughs> <laughs> I love analytics. Right. So, but also one they look at the schedule and and who three. they beat. Uh, and St. Mary's, their only good wins this year are, were against Gonzaga. They beat Gonzaga twice. Those are their two best wins. And then, yeah, those are their two best wins. Really? Those were their two best. That wins. that was their uh, best. <laughs> NIT. That's what I'm NIT. saying. So, I mean, in my in my <laughs> rankings, I have them currently in, but that's. But the people behind them, like Michigan, uh, South Carolina, these teams are you know have games to play in their conference tournament. So if one of the so if say Michigan wins a, a big game this weekend, they'll they'll hurdle them. Or South Carolina beats a good team, they'll hurdle them. So I don't I don't think that St. Mary's will make it. It'll be close though. Uh, well, anyway, but it's I think it's going to be a very uh, exciting oh, tournament. Always. It always is. It always is an exciting tournament. You know you know what I like to see, Joe Jamal. I, you, you you could predict how this tournament is going to go. The first week is yeah. always good because you're going to have some upsets. You know, um, you could always count on the Jim <laughs> Beheim team getting upset by like Vermont. But then after you get past that, everybody is crushed. <laughs> you know, all the, the the people outside the Power Five get crushed. I would like to see a mid-major tournament coincide with. You know, in other words, I'd have a big a mid-major tournament with, you know, 30 teams or whatever. And, of course, you have your Power 5 tournament. And then 
at the Final Four, you'd have two teams from the mid-majors that's and two teams from the Final Four. And they they played. But to me, that's the only way you could consistently guarantee that your butlers and, you know, really good mid-major teams get in the playoffs without having to get crushed right. no, early in the process. I never heard, I never heard uh, that scenario before, but that – I. Right, yeah, probably, probably never, happened. It, it but, you know, never the, happened. The NIT has, you know, now whatever whoever the the uh, regular season champion is gets an automatic NIT bid. So all those all the smaller schools who won their who won their regular season and didn't win their conference tournament now get an NIT bid. So they get a chance to prove themselves. Oh, you mean and if right. they you mean if they get overlooked, right? So by they're the automatically in NCAAs. there. Um, you know, but nobody watches really the NIT, so. <laughs> <laughs> Does it really matter? No. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I gonna say, are you going to watch, gonna so watch you know. it? All right. Well, listen, this is going to be a very exciting time of year. I uh, can't wait to uh, the week coming up and next week, Jamal. I'm sure by the time that we have a next edition of Bill Roten on Sports, we will have some very interesting um, uh, personalities. All right. So we will see you next week. Thanks so much for your energy and to all those listening to Bill Roten on sports. Thank you very much. God bless. And we'll see you next week. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.